The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, brought to you by Basketball Society, Online.com, and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. So, right now, we're taking it back to the roots of The Atlantic Files. Today, slash this week, you are only joined by myself, Alex Fish, by my co-host, Mike Bash, is in the midst of a very uh, rough tax season. So um, we are putting up some prayers for him, hoping that you know his work days aren't too terrible with all these taxes going on um, and all that accountant work he has to go through. So uh, I'm going to keep it pretty short and sweet for you guys. We're just going to go over some of the uh, the Atlantic teams here going for the playoffs and a little bit of March Madness things. So without further ado, let's actually start off with some March Madness here. Now, uh, if you heard the last episode, you would have heard all of our predictions and everything for... Uh, March Madness and the tournament and some of the picks we had for the tournament. We had Pat McMahon on with us and he was giving a lot of great insight into some of the college hoops world as well as Mike. Mike also knows his college stuff. Um, In case you guys didn't realize, I'm not as in tune with some of the college things that they are. I have some ties with some college teams that I watch here and there, but that's I'm not like really as in-depth as those guys. But I did my best, and right now in my Sweet 16, I only have uh, four teams wrong out of the Sweet 16, so not too bad as of right now. Uh, you know, I still, have, I still have to hope that there's going to be some decent upsets as of right now. You know, like I have to hope for Florida State to pull that upset. Texas Tech, Um, I even have to, I really have to hope for Auburn making that upset over UNC, so, you know, there's some some things I have to hope that really fall my way here, Uh, so we'll see what happens with those, but as of right now, I mean, I had Oregon versus Virginia, which was surprising enough. Um, but right now, I mean, obviously Virginia is the favorite for that game and Oregon is, they are, uh, eight point underdogs right now. And I don't know. I see that game being a little bit closer than eight points. I really think that Oregon has a fighter's chance at this game, even though they're ranked the 12 seed. And, you know, there's been some interesting debate about Virginia because, you know, as we all saw in the first half against the 16 seed, they really weren't doing all that well. It begs the question, is Bennett in the hot seat for the the coach of, of Virginia? And, I mean, definitely if they lost to another 16 seed, I, I would have said you almost have to fire him at that point because back-to-back years of losing to a 16 seed when prior it was it's never happened in the tournament, things like that, like, 
you pretty much have to like something somebody has to be fired in that case it's just ridiculous and you get two number one seeds and lose in the first round like yeah at that point you would have had to fire somebody uh, but right now, you know, they're still going as planned. All, their second round game was a little bit better. Uh, and this is going to be a big matchup for them uh, against Oregon. And so it should be interesting to see what happens. I still think Virginia is going to win, but I think Oregon has a good chance at that. Um, and with Auburn versus North Carolina. So Auburn was like my kind of, I don't want to say Cinderella because they're a five seed. I don't exactly count that as a Cinderella, to be honest. I think you have to be like a seven seed or lower, at least in my head, to be counted as a Cinderella. But according to Bavada Sportsbook, they have Auburn as five and a half point underdogs against North Carolina, which, I mean, is still closer than I feel like most people would have put them. And I really like Auburn's chances. They looked really good. Um, so I think that, you know, I'm still sticking with my gut about this upset. I still think Auburn is going to take this, this upset match over North Carolina. And I mean, that might break a lot of people's brackets because UNC has looked very good this season. And I think, you know, as a number one, as another number one seed, it's a, another team that a lot of people have in their final fours, their final game, even as their winners, so on and so forth. So, uh, that one, I still have a good feeling about. And then my other pick that uh, was a little bit different compared to Mike and Pat from last week was Texas Tech. Uh, they are only two-point underdogs against Michigan, uh, according to Bavada. So, I mean, Las Vegas is kind of telling me that, you know, they have a really good chance at pulling this upset as well. It's only a two-verse-three, so it's really, like, it's really not that big of an upset. But, you know, I, I do think that Texas Tech is going to come out and win this bad boy. Uh, now, I know a lot of you are probably like, you just told us right before you started talking about all this that you don't have that much of an in-depth knowledge. Like, yes, I don't have the in-depth knowledge of a lot of, you know, like the the 10 seed and under um, teams other than Oregon. But, uh, like, I still do know how some of the, most of these teams play and their, their um, I should say their play style. And that's what allowed me to at least make some educated predictions here. I mean, you got to give me a little credit. Maybe, like I said, not as in-depth as those guys, but I still have some knowledge here. <laughs> but uh, moving on, that is for the uh, March Madness route here. So let's skip on over here to the NBA. So as of right now... Uh, as I'm talking with you guys, it is Thursday night, and there's actually uh, two Atlantic games going on right now. We have the Sixers leading the Nets 67-58 at halftime, and the Raptors beating the Knicks 35-27 in the second quarter. Uh, so, it's funny, I've been listening to a lot of Philly sports radio uh, just on my way to and from work, and there's been a lot of talk about the Sixers, a lot of the fans are, you know, they're they're nervous about the Sixers, which in, in good faith, I mean, that that's, there's a good reason right now to be scared, because with the Sixers, you know, the, the starting five really doesn't have all that much time played together, this is not that much of... Like, they're not that cohesive at the moment because 
it was just put together like right near the trade deadline when they got Tobias, when they got Boban and some others, and Mike Scott and James Ennis. Uh, I know some of those guys are not the starting five. I'm just saying the roster in general. Um, and that there still is a lack of depth. The moves that they did to bring in guys like Mike Scott and James, James Ennis, those were very good moves. Uh, but that doesn't mean their bench depth really uh, like was upgraded a lot. They didn't add guys who... You know, they they didn't add a six man like Lou Williams or or anything like that. It, they've added some decent role players, but that's about it. So, uh, obviously, in the playoff come playoff time, you really shrink down to a seven eight man rotation. So that'll be a little bit different. So depth, I guess, doesn't exactly mean as much come playoff time, but it's still an issue because those three guys coming off the bench are not as strong as some, as, say, the Raptors or the Celtics or even the Bucks. Like, their first three guys off the bench really aren't as talented as those guys. So it'll be a little difficult, but one of the teams that they look to be matched up with is the team they're playing tonight, the Brooklyn Nets, and that has been a team that pretty much throughout the entire season has had the Sixers number. I mean, right now the Sixers are up by nine, but uh, throughout the year, they the, the Nets really were killing them all throughout the three quarters, except the one game that Butler hit a buzzer beater to beat the Nets. The other games were kind of a blowout that they lost to the the, the Nets. And uh, I know Mike is probably laughing as he listens to this, um, but hey, I mean, being scared of the Nets is a, is a real thing for Sixers fans. I'm like I am not kidding when I tell you a lot of people called into uh, Philly sports radio stations and have said like I don't want to face the Nets like out of all those teams in the first round I do not want to face the Nets they are the 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 team I want to face the least there there have even been some people that said the top three teams they don't want to face as a Sixers fan are the Raptors Celtics and Nets not even the Bucks. They're more scared of the Nets than they are the Bucks, which is pretty ridiculous because the Bucks are a very well-oiled machine as of this regular season. So, uh, someone actually saying they're kind of scared about that—that's um, uh, that's some big words. So, uh, going forward here to you know the playoffs, it, it's going to be a little rough because there's really not that many games left. Like, they're really not many at all. They're maybe a couple weeks' worth of games. So, you know, there's really not that much more time for the Sixers' starting lineup to to really gel and everything. It's going to have to be a lot of off-court gelling and, and some practices to really try and get some things going. So they're going to have to kind of do some things on the fly. Now, the one thing about the Sixers uh, come playoff time is that they are very, very, very good on the road. So if they can keep that three seed um, and and keep some home corn advantage, then that will do them very, very well. Uh, obviously, you know, that they're still going to... It's tough because as a three seed, yes, you'll get home court advantage in the first round, but you probably won't in the second round. And then... The only time you would really still get home court advantage come Eastern Conference Finals is if the Celtics will meet them there. And, I mean, 
don't get me wrong, is still important against the Celtics. But with the Celtics, they have proven that it really doesn't matter whose court it is. The Celtics have the Sixers number for the most part. So, uh, but their their home record is 29 and nine. They went a, a long time undefeated at home in, to start the season and uh, through um, last season as well. But on the road, they're 18 and 18. So they obviously show their vulnerabilities on the road a lot more. The, a lot of the guys on the road kind of, it looks like they get into their own heads and the, the fans of, of the opposing team seem to kind of get them out of a funk, or sorry, in a funk. And it's just rough for them when it comes to playing on the road, especially good teams on the road. The Sixers are a little weird because the Eastern Conference, they have a record of 28 and 18, but the Western Conference, they have a record of 19 and 9. They've been playing the Western Conference powers better than they are the Eastern Conference powers. Like they're 1 and 3 against both the Raptors and the Celtics. Um, and when it comes to Milwaukee, they are 1 and 1. So. I mean, put all them together, that's only 3-7 and seven against, you know, the other top teams in the East that they're most likely going to have to play. So, it's it's going to be interesting for the Sixers. If I had to guess, I, I to be honest with you, I think it would be honestly better for them if they faced the Bucks in the second round because they match up a little bit better with them than they do Toronto or the Celtics. But at the same time... Like I said, they're not that good on the road. They haven't been that great against Eastern Conference uh, powers. And it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle because this team still doesn't really know how to fire on all cylinders consistently together with Simmons, Butler, Tobias, and Embiid. You see flashes of it, but it's not consistent at all. And so moving on to Toronto... Uh, I know you've heard us talk about a lot that we think Toronto should be the favorite in the East in general. Um, and a lot of the splits that I was looking at really proves that they should be the favorite. I mean, they have a 30-9 and home record. They have a 22-14 and record on the road, showing that they can get it done no matter which court they have to do it on. They, um, they, have, they split the season series with Boston. They beat Brooklyn two, uh, two games to one. Let's see. They also beat Indiana two games to one. They beat the Sixers three games to one. And uh, they took all four games from Washington. I mean, Miami, they took all three games. Milwaukee was the only team, really, that they didn't have the winning record against. And I'm pretty sure... It was mainly because Kawhi didn't play in at least two of those games, I'm pretty sure. So uh, that'll be interesting to see for Toronto. But, of course, you know, as the number two seed, you're not really going to see Milwaukee unless they meet them in the champ in the Eastern Conference Championship. So uh, by then, there's going to be a lot of time to ramp up to get to that point to beat them. Um, and, of course, you'll have, well, hopefully you'll have Kawhi uh, for all of those games. Now, the big thing with Toronto, obviously, we've been talking about their depth. They made some great moves. They got, uh, they brought in Marc Gasol, which is, has been huge for them. And they really haven't shown many signs of slowing down at all. Like, they really just have been a, a, a very, very good team all around, even when Kawhi is not playing. So, I, like, Toronto's just 
overall, well-oiled machine. They're just, you know, they should be the favorite. I think they honestly will take the East, and I think they'll represent them in the NBA Finals. That's just how it's going to be. So, moving on to Boston. Now, the thing with Boston is that having the number four seed is probably one of the worst things for them. They especially with the way this season has been going, not having home court advantage in any other series outside of the first round is going to be pretty problematic. They have been pretty bad on the road. They have a record of 18 and 19 so far, um, and their defense is worse on the road. Their offense scores four less points per game. They seem to be... uh, I mean, their their three-pointers actually have stayed pretty much the same, but their field goal percentage has been is down a little bit, and they're not even getting off as many shots. Um, so it, it's it's pretty rough for them, especially when you when you uh, calculate the fact that post All Star break, they really haven't been that good. Their their record is seven and ten after the All-Star break, whereas they were 37-21 and 21 going into it. So the fact that they're kind of losing steam as they go further, as they get closer to the playoffs, is, like I said, still more problematic. Uh, and they're facing, as of right now, they'd be facing an Indiana team that's nothing to, to, like, to sneeze at. This Indiana team still plays very well as a unit. You might not have Oladipo, so they don't have that one star power player that will, you know, be their go-to to close games and everything. I understand all of that, and it's still going to be, uh, you know, uh, the ball is definitely going to be in uh, Boston's court for that. But Indiana is still just not a team that, you know, you can take lightly. Uh, they're going to be a team that, really that you really got to work work against it's not it's something that um you're still going to have to have an entire team effort to beat them and right now uh, i don't believe it has changed but according to bavada the pacers are at or no i i believe it has changed actually the pacers are at plus 3300 to win the eastern conference whereas the celtics are at plus 475 so I mean, obviously, uphill battle for Indiana. But with the the Celtics, it's going to be interesting if, you know, they can do it on the road in Indiana uh, because their road stats have been pretty bad in comparison. Uh, during the season series against Indiana, they split it 1-1. Uh, they've given up 105 points, but they've scored 118 points. So their offense against Indiana has been good, but... Um, looks like mainly on the on their home floor. So that'll be a matchup. Honestly, I think that's going to be a little more interesting than people are going to expect. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it went to six games, to be honest with you. I would, I would definitely give Indiana a good shot at at least two wins at home. So uh, I think that should be an interesting matchup for the Celtics. Um, and then moving on here to Brooklyn. So Brooklyn's interesting. I mean, obviously they're still fighting to stay in the playoffs. They have not secured their playoff spot yet. Um, but they, I mean, they're, they're obviously 
you know, a fringe team here so far. They're a team that not many expected to be up, especially at a sixth seed right now, uh, other than Mike. <laughs> Mike was the one that really expected them to be in this race. And if you look around to, you know, other outlets, there, there hasn't been places that really have expected uh, th this good of a season coming from Brooklyn so far. But, you know, their home record, they're 21 and 16. Their road record, they're 17 and 21. So as of right now, they've played more road games than they have home games. So they haven't even, you know, had much of a shot to um, really show what they got at home in terms of that. But, you know, they still have had their lumps post-All-Star break. Uh, Going into it, they were one game over 500 into the All-Star break. Coming out of the All-Star break, they're 8-8 eight and eight right now. So they're at 500 as we speak. Uh, but, you know, it's not looking too great in this Sixers game. So they could dip below. And in March, they're 6-6. Six and six. In February, they were 4-6. and six. So it's uh, not looking too great. But the one thing that... I think is interesting with Brooklyn is that they have kind of found their swing in late games. Like obviously you got guys like D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie that can really help carry this team to some wins and they have so far. But especially in the last couple weeks, you've seen D'Angelo Russell at, like absolutely completely dominate at the end of games and will Brooklyn to a win and I think come playoff time that that can be something that makes them even more dangerous is that they do have a guy now that is their go-to man at the end of games they they can't be taken lightly at the buzzer or anything like that whereas you know uh in years prior it was kind of like all right we can you know apply a little bit of pressure and we'll be fine like you have to make sure you're on every man and make sure you don't let D'Angelo Russell get free so I think it's interesting with the Nets because if you let them hang around in a game, they continue to have this underdog type of confidence that will allow them to come come back late in the game and actually, you know, upset some teams. Um, according to Bovada, though, uh, the the Nets actually have a worse chance than Detroit and Orlando to win the Eastern Conference. I don't really agree with that at all I think especially Detroit should not be well no I guess you could have Detroit there because of Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond but Orlando should definitely not be above Brooklyn yes Orlando has a good defense a sneaky good defense especially after the all-star break they've been turning it up turning up the pressure a lot however if if you told me that I had to put like a hundred bucks down on one of these teams to win a playoff series, my money would definitely be in on Brooklyn over Orlando. I like Orlando's track record and everything. I just can't get behind that. With Brooklyn, there's a, a good amount of players on Brooklyn that I can actually, you know, in good faith trust to get it going, get on fire, and win a game. Whereas with Orlando, I can see their guys, like I can see Vucevic and Aaron Gordon both having like 20 and 10 games and still losing because Orlando just doesn't have that type of talent. Whereas with 
Brooklyn, I can see D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dimwitty both hitting 20 points together, uh, uh, 20 points each, and the rest of the team still chipping in their fair worth of points and, and coming through to win a game or an entire series. So I don't exactly agree with that, uh, but, I mean, it is what it is. In terms of winning the NBA Finals, though, which is, again, a little strange to me. So according to Bovada, they have... Detroit and Orlando above Brooklyn in terms of odds to win the Eastern Conference. But in terms of winning the NBA Finals, they have the Brooklyn Nets at plus 10,000, Detroit at plus 10,000, and then Orlando at plus 12,500. So they kind of a little flipped it there in terms of winning the NBA Finals, which I feel like should be a little bit worse of odds for Brooklyn um, like in comparison to those other teams, then it should be to win the Eastern Conference Finals. But hey, I'm not the one who creates these odds. That's Las Vegas and the and the the men and women down there at Bavada. So uh, that's that's their thing. <laughs> I just personally don't agree with that. But um, yeah, like I said, guys, I'm keeping it short and sweet for you. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files. Mike will be back with me soon once he gets through all those tax season hours. Thank you, thank you guys for sticking with us and listening to us as far as we as we have come. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe. Uh, sorry, don't like. You can't like a podcast. You can't press like on a podcast, but <laughs> make sure you subscribe. Make sure you give us a rating, five star, four star, three, two, one, whatever. Just make sure you give us that rating on there. It definitely helps us out, helps us get some more things to you guys and get some more exposure. So definitely hit that for us as well. And make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com and the other podcasts at the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys, and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.